I've just managed to eat dinner in like record about six minutes. So uh, apologies if I keel over at some point. This was like heartburn or something. We'll go. We'll go. Well, there is an intro for the podcast that you were probably not expecting when you clicked on yeah. NHL fans from afar. Um, we're not going to talk about uh, whether Jolon is going to burp or not. Hopefully, with Zoom etiquette, he may mute himself. Today, we are talking about the outdoor series. Was it a thing of beauty or was it another NHL embarrassment? And do records matter? This 1,000 games marker. We've got some stats. We've got some geekery. We've got some research. We've got some more pointless quizzes for you where I get to work out how much Jolon knows about records. Are you a record noter, Jolon? Looking by that um... face. No, no, I, I enjoy them when they happen, but I, I'm not somebody who can tee them up before they happen. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and also we're talking retro jerseys. Should they be mm. a thing of the past or should we remember them with fondness for the future? Also coming up here on NHL Fans From Afar. Me and Jalon here, but you'll be very glad that uh, this is not going to be a podcast all about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I'll just note as a side note here that uh, Jalon is not wearing any Toronto merchandise. So that could probably give you a heads up of why we're not talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, But we are going to talk about the NHL Outdoor Series more specifically, uh, a team who we were both really excited to watch this weekend, uh, Colorado Avalanches. Uh, so we'd really like to welcome Craig to the podcast. How are you doing, Craig? Good evening. Uh, very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, we're, we're all good and we're excited to talk about Avalanches. They've been a, a team who have been at the tip of our tongue for the last couple of seasons. Um, really, really exciting. But also you uh, have entered the podcast world too, Craig. So welcome to our very small but growing community of podcasts about the NHL by done by people in the UK. Um, covering the Puck is your podcast. How's it been, your entrance to the podcast world? Uh, brilliant and also far more time consuming than I ever expected. Um, <laughs> I've loved it. I've, I follow the league a lot anyway, but it's made me dig a little deeper here and there. Um, but I've an enormous amount of, of praise for anybody else who runs a podcast because this takes up hours that I never realised. Um, so there's a, a Colorado Avalanche podcast that I listen to and they do it daily. And I have absolutely no idea how on earth anyone can do a daily podcast. It's beyond me. <laughs> well, that's all you do, baby. Then it's your job, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, but even then, I, I can't find the time to do it in one day. <laughs> I need, if I did a Daily Leafs podcast, I need therapy. Like, <laughs> it was just, it would not be a healthy thing to do to dissect daily thoughts of what I've <laughs> Nope, nope. Well, you can um, subscribe, follow these podcasts, by the way, that always helps supporters. Um, and, you know, we are, for NHL fans from afar, we don't have experts or, or 
kind of a lot of guests really on our podcast. We are just for the fans, by the fans. And, and we'd like it to be a safe space as well. So that, you know, whether you're new to the sport and you're just figuring out why the hell are people going on and off the ice? Let alone, do you know the names of the people in your team? Let alone, do you know the names of the clubs and the teams and the divisions? It doesn't matter whether you're kind of someone who's geeked out on the sport for 10, 15 years or you're just starting out as a bit of a lockdown curiosity whilst your main sport's been on hold. Hopefully you can glean some information from the ridiculous conversations that sometimes we have. Um, I think we should really probably start talking about the outdoor series. It is the thing that has dominated the coverage this weekend. And and I put out on um, social media this idea about, was it a thing of beauty? You know, this real romantic sense that it had when everyone was starting to watch that first period. Or actually, were they just being way too ambitious? And in the end, it was just embarrassing. Um, I mean, Craig, I'll come to you. What what were your thoughts? Because your team was playing. Yeah, um, the first thing I'd say is that the NHL have never, as far as I know, had an outdoor afternoon game that started and had no issues with the sun. You see, there'd been a slight delay to face-off or whatever. So the first thing they need to do is get the face-off times right because the Avs game, when it came back at 5 a.m., was it looked absolutely fantastic. And forget about all the background, the scenery. It could it could have been played anywhere, to be honest. Floodlit ice and teams playing a, a genuine fast-paced game looked far better than what any scenery could have had that game taken place in, to its full um, at the time it did. So they definitely need to sort out the, the face-off times. I would play them all at night just to avoid any issues. Um, me personally, I've never heard of anyone that has been to an outdoor game and had a very good experience, enjoyed the view, enjoyed getting in and out, etc. So why not just keep them all where there's no fans and eliminate that? The the camera angles that we had this weekend are the best we've ever seen because there's no stadium or people to work around. Mm. So why not, instead of trying to make money, just try and put on two genuine, fantastic games that are played in a wonderful place, wherever it is, and just let everybody sit at home and watch it. Yeah, I suppose it's a business, isn't it, in in their ideas? I wonder how much it costs just to kind of put this thing on, let alone, you know, you take the advertisement out. I mean, they built this thing from scratch, didn't they? I actually saw one article that was talking about how, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. It was talking like even the reporters were like taking it in turns on the viewing platforms. They got to switch when the TV timeouts were happening. Did you watch much of it, Jolon? Because I have to say, it really disrupted my flow and my enthusiasm, I think. Um, yeah, uh, difficult one, because I, I, like you, was kind of really looking forward to it, really hyped up um, to watch it. I was obviously really looking forward to the, the times of day that they were going to be on. Um, and um, the event opened exactly how you'd want it to. And the, the kind of the Canadian, the part Canadian in me was was looking at those guys skating out on, on the ice by the lake and all that kind of stuff. And there was all this talk of taking the game back to its roots. And I guess very simply to boil it down, I ended up watching a Colorado Vegas and a Philadelphia Boston game on a Saturday and Sunday. And I wouldn't normally do that. I, you know, I try 
I try and watch maybe one game. If the Leafs have a light schedule, I'll watch one other NHL game a week if I can. Um, just because, you know, as we all have, we've got lives and, and other things going on. But, you know, it was, for me, I found it appointment to, to kind of to stop and, and view and, and watch the games. And I have to say that the scenery and the setting for it was quite something else. And actually, you know, on Craig's point, I, the, I was a bit worried about the game the following day, thinking, well, is it just going to be played at... at well, at night in the dark, and while yeah, for the for the game itself, that is an improvement for the, the visual spectacle of that area. It would lack something if it was just dark because you miss so much of that scenery. But actually, you had this incredible kind of kind of twilight and then sunset and then dark for the Philly Boston game, which worked an absolute treat. And I'm sure the NHL will probably you know switch to something like that if they try and do it again. Um, I think a comment that I saw over the weekend was from a, a writer called Down, uh, Down Goes Brown, who does a load of kind of um, stuff for the athletic and his own platforms as well. Um, and he kind of summarised it and I read it and I kind of went, yeah, that, that's kind of exactly how I felt about it overall. And he just said the NHL has taken lots of criticism over this, this being kind of the Colorado Vegas sun incident and all that kind of stuff and how the league operates, uh, you know, and he basically says, Having a go at the league is kind of what he does. Um, but I don't think I can join in here. This is Dan Goes Brown. At least the same to degree that many of his fellow fans and media seem to. He doesn't see this weekend of being an example of incompetence or Batman forgetting that sometimes the sun shines during the day. <laughs> Rather, he sees a league that took a risk and got burnt when they pushed a little bit too far. And out an outdoor game being waylaid by weather was always a possibility in over the decade or something close. You know, And he goes on to basically say... They went for it. They pushed for it. They tried something a bit out there. And I think this year, and one of the reasons I don't think this will ever be replicated is because I think there will always be fans. I just don't see a, a marquee sporting event happening beyond this year without fans. And I think, to be fair to the NHL, they tried to create something when they knew that the stadium and the fans couldn't be part of the scenery. And that is one of the things that's most spectacular about the stadium series in the past. And so I, I kind of think, you know what, uh, in a year like we've had, something that was that entertaining and kept me amused for a weekend was, you know, that was a, a good tick in the box for me. And the hockey was good. Like, you're right, after that first period, which was a bit of a, you know, they were falling over all over the place. I am so glad my team wasn't in it because it was so much easier to watch it as a neutral because you're just enjoying the game and you're not having to worry about your team getting two points or anything like that. Craig, I have no idea how you watch that game, especially with the way, how close it was with Vegas and uh, Colorado. When the physicality really ramped up towards the end from the Vegas side of things, I don't know how you watch that as a fan. Uh, no, no, it, it, it were a very, very good game. Um, by due to the fact that the ice was a lot better and yeah. I thought Colorado played really well. Colorado, when they play well, they play very fast. Uh, Vegas are the complete opposite, which in many respects makes for the perfect clash. There's, there's To break it down as simply as possible, there's five really fast blokes skating around and there's five blokes trying to stop them from skating around. <laughs> and, and it's a very simple breakdown. But, but essentially Sometimes that's, by any that's means, what we have. Those Vegas players. Sometimes by any means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> but, but no, I, just, I, I really I, enjoyed I, it as a matchup, and I think that's one of the great things about this weekend. Was I was unfortunate for Philadelphia because they had half their team still on COVID protocol, so 
they got absolutely stuffed by uh, Boston and, and Carter Hart had a shocker. Um, and uh, so that was a shame. But the mark, uh, the, the matchup between Colorado and Vegas was just such a was such a good game. That even though I basically watched it over two days, <laughs> um, there was a lovely moment when the goal went in. The second goal went in, and they marked it, and they said it was nine hours to the, on the dot from when the last goal went in. <laughs> nine hours between goals. <laughs> was brilliant. Yeah. See, I'm going to be. Well, go on, go on, Claire. Come on, bring us down. I'm not going to bring it down. I just have a different opinion, right? And everyone's entitled to their opinions. We're all, us three are actually coming from different ways. I really struggle watching um, American coverage of the sport. Like, I actually really like the the quality of, say, like Sportsnet, TSN sometimes, but mostly Sportsnet's coverage of NHL. I think what they do in between the periods is absolutely top class. Like the way that they bounce between the reporters, the analysis, um, even just the commentary throughout. And and like even noticing like with, with some of the games, like just the atmosphere, like there was a game I watched the other night with Montreal Canadiens and Shea Weber said, guys, we need to amp this up. We need to get more atmosphere. And they just, you know, they just cover that stuff so well. I struggle, I think, when I switch from my team to watch a different broadcaster, because there's a lot that you kind of just, take for granted that you have to just like slip in like I don't know who these people are um I don't watch abs and Vegas a lot so then I have to readjust in my head to like get used to the players and the positioning and who's on what line and so I have to concentrate a little bit more and so I think once that disruption came I really really had to like amp myself up to go back the morning after and just get behind it and really support it you know, I wanted to be excited about it and I'd stayed up and I'd made plans to make it part of my weekend. But in the end, my, my love for it kind of fizzled out a little bit. And when I watched the highlights, and I also thought that the Boston Phillies game looked like it was an absolute goal fest. You know, it was like, boo, 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 boo. but I struggled to watch some of it, if I'm honest. I couldn't always see the puck. I don't know if that's I'm blind or I'm old or my TV's too small. <laughs> I've got Ultra HD or something, but I, I just I just kind of struggled. I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. And I really did want to, um, mm. but it just didn't kind of, yeah, didn't amp me up as much as I think perhaps I thought it was. And, and it's interesting that hearing interesting. different like views as well, because I've got like, um, Adam, who's our fan who's out in Australia, he's a Detroit Red Wings fan. And he said he actually actually loved it. He thought it was absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, I mean, obviously, he was he highlighted the fact that there was that dude on the water ski with the Detroit <laughs> Red Wings, Red Wings yeah. flag. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I will I will totally agree with you, by the way, on the American broadcast. And Craig, I mean, you must get you must watch a lot more of that American broadcast than we do um, with the team that you follow. But I, I do totally agree with you on that front. I thought, I thought, wow, I am really, I feel really fortunate that I get to majority of the time watch TSN and Sportsnet. And but but it always happens whenever NBC cover the Leafs games or it's the national game. I always struggle a little bit with that, just because. I mean, I suppose, and I guess the context for 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 people as well is in Canada. You know, the NHL is the league. Like that is the creme de la creme of sports, and you get all sports broadcasters you get the biggest Canadian kind of TV sports budget goes on those programs hockey night in Canada is 
as close to a kind of sporting religion as you can get in Canada. And in America, it's like the fourth or fifth sport. And, you know, it's not even the biggest sport that NBC will have had on that day. And I guess when I compare it to watching the NFL and the American coverage of the NFL, it's totally different. And it does feel, it does jar a little bit when you're used to watching the Canadian broadcast. Um, and I think on your point about losing track of the park and not really knowing who was, who was playing and all that kind of stuff, I think, funnily enough, that was one of the reasons why, and maybe it was just because I was in the right mindset that weekend, but I was able to enjoy it because for that reason, I could just sit back and if, if I couldn't quite see the, where the puck went, I didn't see where the puck went. Like, if, if, that, if the puck is in the back of the net and, like, trying to catch up, it's almost like going back to the beginning and watching hockey again. Like, and that's, I guess, I could tie that into the whole kind of like story that they were trying to create of taking hockey back to its roots and and because it was just a bit of fun and I quite enjoyed that first Vegas Colorado period because it was just it was fun hockey it was like it was basically like when I go and play hockey like that's what happens falling over everywhere and you know pucks and sticks and everything like that and but <laughs> looping it back round, I would have really struggled if that was my team because I'd have been like, guys, guys, this is serious. This is serious. <laughs> I think, what are you doing? I think it was when the ref fell over. Yeah. That's when I was like, this has got to joke level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Craig, what, what were you thinking? Like, you know, at that moment, were you like, oh, for God's sake, pull the plug, Batman. Just do it. This is painful. Yeah, yeah. It's the the standard wasn't very good. The sort of ticking in your head about potential injuries coming from people falling down and getting the skates caught in the ice etc etc obviously yeah. if you spot one team then there's a 50 percent chance that that if somebody gets injured it's your player mm. so so, that, so that's ticking through in my mind um the i wasn't 100 on it when it happened but when i started to watch the second period it really sold me and it were a far better game for it um the injuries were, were the one thing that i was thinking because i mean there are athletes playing however many games in such a short period this year that injuries this year will probably be worse than any other. But you only have to look at some of the size of the, the divots that were in the ice that, that they were showing you in after the first period. And if somebody happens to just get a, a skate caught in there, then that's potentially a, a season-ending injury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you watch the Boston Phillies game? Yes. Um, I watched the first two periods properly and then had the third in the background because it was game over already um when they faced off for probably about 15 20 minutes there was a lot of there were just like blocks of the odd bit of sun on the ice um and it could have maybe done we starting half an hour later but other than that i would say that is when i would start a start a game if i were planning another game next year mm. like you said uh, yeah it's just annoying isn't it because from, they they told us it was going to be like an 8 p.m. UK face time. And I got, got you know, I got my little yeah. food spread. I got my popcorn. I got my party <laughs> rings. I was having a night in. I got the candles. I got my puzzle book. I was ready for it. I put PJs on. Yeah. And then you take it away from me. <laughs> but I think that was, I think, of the the Philadelphia-Boston game did have that. I think I, the fact that it had that kind of crazy, like, opening 10 minutes where the sun was still there and the shots were going in and all that kind of stuff gave a bit of a nod to the fact that this is not just a normal NHL game but then actually very quickly the sun went down and then it became you know a, a normal NHL game I one it just reminded me Claire when you were saying about how um, how you, some of the players you kind of weren't really aware of who they were and all this kind of stuff 
I was looking at the Philadelphia team because uh, I was thinking, this, I thought I knew a bit more about Philadelphia, but some of these names I'm hearing, I have absolutely no idea. Then I realised that they have quite literally got half their team still on COVID protocol and they were playing. Their fourth line was the two of the forwards were made of defensemen. So they were playing four defensemen on their fourth line. And you think, oh, that, is, that is messed up. And it's a real shame because it could have been. If you think of Philadelphia before their COVID break and versus Boston, that would have been an amazing game because Philadelphia were absolutely flying upon the pun. And then Boston were Boston. And it could have been something great. Philadelphia looked like they were really trying to catch up quite quickly and they just weren't able to keep up. And But... But yeah, that was that was kind of my biggest disappointment. But then, hey, you know, the NHL have to pick these teams out of the hat ages ago, so there's no way they can know form guide. I mean, what I actually also enjoyed reading in the coverage was like the bits that were happening. Like I was thinking, what was happening outside the ice? Because we saw in some of the coverage, I mean, my God, did they know how to fill? You know, they were out with the boats <laughs> and you were thinking, You tell there were no fans. You were thinking the, like all these links they're doing would normally be with like fans and like people. Yeah. And then just obviously there was no one there. So they had that poor guy who they kept going to with no content. No. And the thing is, the more and more progressively drunk these people probably were getting. And if you've done live radio or live TV, you know, there's a tipping point there and that's yeah. pretty risky. But the thing that I, I was reading about was... Um, I didn't realise that that three of the mascots were there. And apparently on the Friday afternoon, there was a uh, fight between the Avalanches, Bernie the the St. Bernard, and uh, Boston Bruins Blades the Bear. Did you hear about this? They spent an hour um, cycling? No, hour skating. (laughs) (laughs) That's how tired I am. They spent an hour skating uh, at an ice rink, which wasn't that far away. And they had kids following them around and they were like getting their photos taken. And then it got pretty ugly between Bernie and Blades and uh, Blades shoved Bernie over a wall and onto a pile of snow. Um, Apparently Gritty wasn't there, but Gritty was found in a local casino. Um, So, but then what also happened, I didn't even notice this when the game was on, maybe because we only see what they choose to cover right on the cameras. And apparently the Avalanche and Knights mascots were around the rink. So um, when Mm. Vegas captain Mark Stone got called for um, a penalty late in the first period, um, one of the monsters from the Vegas mascots crouched in disgust and then hung his head in despair. And he wagged his finger when uh, Flurry made the save to keep Avalanche from um, scoring on the power play. It's like all this drama that was happening on the side, but, you know, we didn't get to see any of it because we were too busy thinking, where the hell is the puck? Yeah. Yeah, and why is there a massive divot in the middle of the ice? Yeah. so <laughs> It is amazing. The final word, though, on it should be, what an amazing setting. Just, just generally, like, that part of the world looked incredible. Like, I don't play golf, but I wanted to learn how to play golf so I could go and play golf there. Because I think there's more chance of me playing golf there than hockey. But <laughs> yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about um, some of the uh, 1,000 games markers. We heard Sidney Crosby, um, over 1,000 games played. We're going to talk about the retro, uh, reverse retro jerseys as well um, in a moment. And look across, um, you know, where we're at with injuries, because it's that kind of time in the season where more and more people are starting to, the injuries are kicking in, I say. But, I mean, Craig, whilst we've got you, really, just to talk about the avalanches, um, and what the expectations are, really, for them this season? Uh, if you ask probably 80% of the fan base, then they're all getting strung up if they don't win the Cup. Mm. Um, I, I'm not in that 80%, don't worry. The, the, the expectation is that the Avs go a very long way. Um, I think they're more than capable, but you're going to talk about injuries in a bit and injuries are going to hit every single team. And I'm not necessarily convinced that the best team in the league will lift the Stanley Cup, but more it'll be the last man standing as such. And it'll be the one who just battles and battles and gets to the end with whatever roster they've got at the end. Um, And there will be teams, hopefully it's not Colorado, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there'll be at least two or three teams that go into the playoffs and they're missing the best player or, or the, the second best player or whatever. And it's just the nature, nature of the game. Um, but, but if they stay fit, if they stay healthy, then there is no reason why they can't win the cup. And I suppose if they don't make the conference finals, that would probably be seen as a bit of a disappointment, really. See, it, it just seems to be so tight in the West um, division at the moment. You know, you've got 15 to 23 points between the eight teams you know, with further delays and postponements and COVID. And and as you say, like, you know, Colorado are, what, third, I think? Yeah, they're they're yeah. somewhere there, aren't they? So it doesn't feel so. like it's necessarily safe. And, and you're right, if there's a couple of injuries, um, it, it could just see you slipping down to, like, you know, the fourth, the fifth. And then if you kind of go on a bad look, you, you just don't know, do you? It just seems to be that division is ridiculously tight. Yeah, I mean, the the teams that are, are sort of playing well and coming up that you didn't expect, like LA, Anaheim, um, Minnesota maybe as well, I personally don't think that they'll stay around and, and eventually the Avs, Vegas and St. Louis will, will move away. And and they're, they're the top three, I think if you ask anyone, in some kind of order. Um, based on what I've seen, the Avs and Vegas, if they're at full strength, they're better than St. Louis, but obviously whether they're at full strength and another thing. Um, the the Avs have, have had their injury problems. Then they had the COVID problem as well. Uh, so like the, when they played Vegas in the outdoor game on Saturday, that was the third of four games between those two. But the first two games that were in Vegas, the Avs were missing half the defence and three forwards as well and managed to split the games. So although the Avs, according to the league table, are in third place... I'm relatively happy with where they are because of how they're playing against teams, considering the players that they've got out. Um, I was just having a look because it's something that I want to talk about, but the Avs defence is known for being potentially one of the best in the league, but they're so inexperienced at the minute and they're going to have off nights and you, you've just got to accept that as a fan, really. The, the entire defence that played these past few games has played 500 NHL games between them. They've got a player who's injured, Eric Johnson, who's played 780 on himself. And they traded away Ian Cole, who paid 550. Which which shows that the leader of the defence, Sam Gerrard, 
He's played 238 games plus a few in the playoffs. He's 22 years old. Now, if you're relying on... He's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but if you're relying on him to be your experience, essentially, then you're going to have off nights. And while ever the Avs are not at full strength, they'll be doing enough to impress me and I'm more than happy with what they're doing. But in terms of actually points on the board, they're going to drop points. And last last night, they lost to Vegas at home 3-0. They were shut out. They played all right, but, but there was silly defensive mistakes that rookies and young players make. And, and you, you've just got to live with it because that's that's the path that they've chosen and and that's what they've got, <laughs> the hand that they've been dealt with as such. But a team, I mean, a team like Colorado can score their way out of some of those problems. And that's one of the things that, you know, you guys have got in abundance. You've got McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog. You've got incredible talent going forward. And and even players like Kael McCarr at the back, you know, he's going to score plenty of points. And, you know, adding players like Devon Taves and all that kind of stuff. And it's quite nice in a way, surely, to have a team like the Avs who are being tipped as one of the favourites for the Stanley Cup. But actually, you can still see there are green shoots and there is still room to get better because that's got to be a better position than some other teams who know that they are already at their peak and it's there's only one way and it's not the way that you want to go as a fan. Yeah, I mean, specifically about the defence, Anybody who looks at the Colorado defence on paper will say it's maybe not the best in the league, but it's definitely top five, top eight at the very worst case scenario. Yeah. Uh, th- these are all young kids. The young kids, that whatever Kale McCarr does now, he- he's been absolutely brilliant. But imagine what he's going to be like in two years' time when he's got another 150 games under his belt. Mm. Uh, it's, Sam Gerrard. It's interesting because I hear that defencemen can take like, what, five five years on average to kind of reach their peak, whereas forwards kind of can come out and they can make, make a bit more of a statement, can't they, a bit sooner in their career? There's there's an old player, uh, Peter McNabb, he does the Avs broadcast, The he's the analyst man for the Avs broadcast, and he's, he swears by the fact that defencemen need 300 NHL games to find the feet and be fully comfortable playing at that speed and on the ice. And those six defensemen that played on Saturday and those six defensemen that played on last night's game, not one of them's... Well, Gerard's the closest at 238. Um, I mean, Devon Taves has come from New York and he's he's a very, very solid player. I like him a lot. He's only played 128 games and he, he's still yeah. finding his feet as well. And, and obviously then we've not even spoke about Bowen Byram, who's the youngest of the lot and who knows, who knows what he's, what he's going to do. You're going to heavily rely on that leadership group in the in that forward group, the likes of Nazem Kadri and Nathan McKinnon and those kind of players who, I mean, McKinnon's not old, but he's been around a fair few years and and others and, and Grubauer in net as well. I mean, turning the attention to the goaltenders for the Avs, I mean, it's... I don't like pinning a whole playoff series on one particular player or one particular situation because so much can happen across a, a series. But really for the Avs, last year, who knows what could have happened if they hadn't been ravaged by goaltender injuries. I mean, you guys were putting up Michael Hutchinson as your starter, which, as Leafs fans know, is a sometimes painful experience, sometimes all too raw yep. and there uh, right now. Um, but... You know, to lose to, to lose a goaltender like Philip Grubauer and um, is it oh what's his name? Pavel Francouz. Thank you, that one. Uh, Pavel Francouz as a backup. 
to lose both of them in the playoffs last year, what was it? Do you think that was the thing that meant that you guys just could not continue further? And then looking to this year, has anything like that been addressed? Who is your third player? Or are you just hoping that the first and second do it for you this year? Uh, 100% last year. Um, I, I don't see a way that the Avs lose to Dallas in that game if if Grubauer's in net. I don't think they lose if Franzos is in net either. Um, they, they lost he had a really three. good year, didn't he, Franzos, last year? Yeah, yeah. I he, seem to remember he had a bit of a breakout year. Yeah, yeah. He, he went from being a okay backup to being one of those that, that could play just the extra sort of five, ten games just yeah. to give Grubauer a bit more of a rest. Um Either of those two in net, then to me the abs the abs are in the final last year. Uh, this year, one of the biggest things for the abs to do was to go and get a third netminder because of what happened last year, uh, and they didn't. And Francois hasn't even been on the ice this year; he's injured. No, he's been injured. Um, so, so the abs are down to their fourth netminder as backup, Adam Adam Werner. Um, they've not seen Francois all all year. Uh, Hunter Miskaru is the third backup. He's played two games, uh, been terrible both games. So now they're on the fourth goalie. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they happen to sign someone, even if it means giving up like a, a third round pick just for somebody, just for insurance more than anything else. Because yeah. Grubauer has been brilliant and he's been far better than I expected. And he, he's probably, he's, he's, played the Avs don't need him to play as good as he's playing at the minute because because they're a good enough team to just get by on average net minding mm. if you say to me would you accept Grubauer being average but being fit for an entire season <laughs> then I would snap <laughs> your hands off that, yeah. that because if he's yeah. if he's there and he's giving average net minding then then that's fine yeah so it wouldn't be a surprise if they went and got an experienced player in to either be the full-time backup if Franzos is not coming back anytime soon, which it doesn't sound like he is, or to be the number three, just to give Grubauer a rest before the playoffs, when hopefully the Avs have not secured a playoff spot, but they're coasting towards mm. one, and they can just give him a rest and just play him twice a week so that he's sharp enough, but there's no pressure because, he's, I mean, he's been injured for the last two years now. Um, yeah. so, so, so something... It's a move that they should have made and they're probably regretting not making. Remember when all those netminders went on waivers uh, just before the yeah. season? Yeah. There's your chance. And it's so it's, it's crazy, isn't it? And I, I totally understand how NHL teams get burned because you look at, you know, it's a salary cap era. Like you can't just load your team with loads of backup options. But if you have a good starter like Rubauer and you have then a flourishing backup goaltender like Francis, that is the... That's the dream in a way. And Dallas showed it last year with, you know, Dobin basically taking over and running with the entire playoffs because Bishop was injured. But then that player gets injured. And where do you go then? And it seems the drop-off from NHL backup. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some dodgy NHL backups as well. But generally, the NHL backup to the NHL third-choice goaltender drop-off is terrifying. Like, it, it yeah. kind of baffles me in a way because it does really highlight that there are really only about, there's probably only about 40, 40 goaltenders on, you know, in North America who can play that position effectively in the NHL. And then after that, it's a bit of a kind of, you know, well, 
I mean, we're here we are sitting on the one year anniversary of David Ayres going in goal for the Carolina Hurricanes and winning a game. You kind of think, well, it's kind of just any, anybody going in after that. And that's hugely disrespectful to these professional athletes who have spent years and years practicing and trying to get to the top. But as a fan, it does baffle me that you can, the drop off is so severe from that good NHL backup to. Yeah, but it's the same in other leagues as well. I mean, I look at the the UK, the elite league, the difference between some of the guys who'd be coming over from, from Canada, you know, from Europe, and then the guys, the British guys, they were like in different like kind of leagues sometimes you'd find like guys stepping up because you have to have two goalies on the game sheet in order for the game to go ahead to be signed off you know you'd be like that guy's never ever stepping out of the gate but do you think it is just because of that position and the way that there's only there's only so many opportunities to get that regular that regular play to therefore get better but we know it's changing exactly what Craig's saying. Actually, you know, we, we talked before in this podcast about like the Bob Bobrovsky and um, Carey mm. Price demanding these crazy kind of salaries. But actually, this goalie tandem is like it, it's just becoming more and more of a trend, isn't it, really? So we're looking at that five mil kind of mark for goalies. Teams are starting. It's almost like, you know how we kind of moved away from enforcers it became a much more speed-based kind of game. I just think this this um, tandem is going to be where it's at. And yet yeah, it might mean that the quality is a little bit all over. But we're starting to see some of these guys who are getting... They just need to get more game time. I mean, yeah. there's no other way, is there, right? They've just got to get more pucks in their face and eventually they get better. But then I, I, I totally agree with you. You know, I, I would want any team that I support going into an NHL season with two good goaltenders and two goaltenders that can see out a, a game. But... I'm almost saying, you know, does this go a step further? You know, are teams like the Avs who should be contending for a cup and other teams like that, are they going to be happy going into the playoffs with their goalie tandem, knowing that it's actually not unreasonable to think that both of them could go down? And, you know, is that a gamble that they're willing to, to kind of go on or is there going to be... You know, is it going to be... It, it just baffles me that there isn't a kind of a, a better quality of third-string goaltenders in the hmm. NHL. But if you think about his shapes, right, I think um, what you're talking about there is like circle, OK? We want like a nice oh. little circle. Like Craig wants his experienced defenseman. He wants two goalies, like a decent yeah. tandem. And we want some nice firepower, for, but also some depth across the four lines. That is one beautiful circle, which every coach goes to bed dreaming of whilst they count yeah. sheep. In reality, I mean, I look at Leafs and I've always thought it is an upside down triangle. Like you remove the bottom piece, which is Freddie Anderson, and boom, like a pack of cards, it falls over. And that's the situation we're in right now, which scares me deeply as a Leafs fan. Yeah. And we always knew that was going to be the case. But whereas I I think what Craig's saying is you're a bit more like... Excuse all like the shape analogy, but this is audio after all. I feel, I feel like I'm at a school. You know how like kids are having to learn at home on Teams at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can't, it's like go back to school in 2021. I'm thinking more of an egg timer for you, right. Craig. Right? You know, you. My got- son did 3D shapes the other week, and he didn't really? do an egg timer. But but go, okay, on. go on. I mean, an egg timer. I'm thinking. Well, how else should you describe it? Where it's like you know two triangles, but like yeah, the, yeah. the points yeah, meet yeah, in yeah. the middle. So you've got yeah. like the firepower at the top. You've got you know, your goalies are kind of, there's something happening there and you haven't got to worry too much. And your defenseman is a bit kind of like, oh, 
It's not as strong as it could be. So actually, I'll tell you what, it's a bit more like, what, like a pear-shaped woman pear or an egg timer. Yeah, or just shape. a pear, Claire. I don't know. Pear, yeah. <laughs> I just have to be a pear-shaped woman. Big shoulders, big hips, <laughs> tiny waist. Well, how many times have I done? This is the most ridiculous analogy what? that you'll never hear on Sportsnet, no. for God's sake, would you? No, you won't. No, it's far more NBC. But no, what I'm trying... <laughs> What I'm trying to point out is I, I totally get that. And I know that in the salary cap era and, and drafting and all this kind of stuff, you're never going to get the perfect team. No, Nobody's ever going to give you the perfect team. And it just, it, it, it does baffle me that there isn't teams being able to develop strong enough third string goaltenders to be able to stop what's happening to the Leafs right now and to stop what happened to the Avs last year. And losing two goaltenders is not something that happens rare enough for, you know, I remember it happening to Carolina, not just the David Ayers one, but it happened to them not long ago as well. And you think with a team like, you know, those big teams with lots of money and huge player development budgets and all of this kind of stuff and all these affiliates that they have, why can they not get more reliable backup, backup goaltenders? I, it just it it baffles me because there is not a there's not as massive a difference between your bottom six kind of forwards or your last pairing of defensemen. Like if somebody comes into the lineup, they're not that much worse than the people they're replacing usually, unless you're really unlucky. Whereas with goaltenders, it does seem like there are about forty or fifty people who can play that role in the NHL. The rest of them, we could all have a go. That's an exaggeration. I've gone too far, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's see, when you look at the injuries list, I mean, I, I just, um, I go to elite prospects and look at NHL and just see, because it gives me a bit of a, a list, but they don't update it all the time. That's the one downside. You know, we've got Ben Bishop, Henry Lundqvist, Freddie Anderson now, Jacob Markstrom. You know, these are these are quite kind of like mm. decent goaltenders that are injured. Um, yeah. And, you know, you were talking there about St. Louis Blues, Craig. I mean, Tarasenko is still out with a shoulder injury. They're saying March for him. Nikita Kucherov, the Tampa, has got a hip injury. That He's obviously out for the season. Um, who else is out for the season? Alex Nylander for Chicago got a knee injury. It's all about the knees and the hips, it seems. But in a contact sport, you'd expect that. But And, and then Wayne Simmons, we know, broken wrist, hopefully back next month. And then, what is it, Jake Muzzin with a broken... Was it well, Jake, Jake Muzzin? A broken bone in his face. And, and apparently that should bone yeah. in his face. But they couldn't actually establish what had happened because the swelling was so bad. They had to wait for the swelling to go down so then they could yeah. see what he'd actually done. I mean, Hockey that's are different. They're just a different breed. They are. In, I think what you're saying, Craig, is is totally spot on. Like the intensity. Yeah, we could look at this and say there's only 56 games. They normally play play 84. Come on, guys, it's not that bad, but like it's absolutely relentless. I mean, I can't remember whether it's this week or coming up, but the, the least schedule was something like four or five games every week for three weeks. Mm. I'm like, oh, I mean, it's hard enough being a fan trying to keep up <laughs> and remember, <laughs> right, is it safe for me to look at my notifications today? Is it not? Yeah. And then you right. forget. And then your yeah. fantasy like notifications tell you that your goalie's 
uh, out and then you realise that he didn't play in the game last night, so it means you probably have lost. Um, yes. So Just before we move on from um, third-string goalies, just because one thing I saw on Twitter that I need to mention, because uh, I briefly mentioned him earlier, David Ayres is, is about a, a year anniversary to the day that David Ayres ruined a lot of Leafs, years, days, months, whatever. Um, but did you hear that um, Disney is working on a movie based on David Ayres? So they're actually, yes, yes. Yeah, so they're actually going to put together. He said this. He was chatting to Sportsnet about it, and he said uh, when we were in Carolina, I got a call from James Corden, and he just wanted to say uh, congrats. He'd heard about his story and thought it was awesome, and uh, he let me know he had a production company, and um, if he ever wanted to make a movie, let me know. Uh, and then he hooked up with uh, some kind of production agency and they said uh, that they fancy putting something together. So we might be able to watch a Disney film to show our future children how miserable it is to support the Leafs in the 2020s. There you go. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Literally a Disney film depicting how hard it is to be a Leafs fan. My God! Happy one year to David Ayres. I mean, you could understand it was a pantomime. Oh no, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he actually did. He actually did, kids. Yeah, he went on to win. Anyway, Speaking of on. Disney, so the reverse retro NHL jerseys. Yeah. I say that because the Disney the duck is featured back on oh, Anaheim very Ducks. Very it? good. You see, very there was good. a link there. That you makes should... up for your goalkeeping blunder last week. That was oh, incredible. Honestly, Craig, sometimes we turn up to do these podcasts after a full day at work, various different shifts, and I don't know what names come out of my mouth, but I, I just I see letters and it comes out in a whole gobbledygook. We need you to be like our pronouncer. <laughs> we just record you saying every name in the league and then we insert it when <laughs> we're really tired. I, I um talking about names and getting mixed up with names, though, just quickly... Um, I've a, a bit of Wayne Gretzky memorabilia from his Rangers days at home. And I will research in something. There's a reason for saying that, not just to boast. There's <laughs> hey, a reason. Honest. Um, and I was researching some of the players that played with him and went down one of those YouTube uh, elite prospects rabbit holes that takes hours and hours to get out of. Mm -hmm. You know, anyway, I'm going and going and going and going. And I eventually get to um, Adam Graves, the old Rangers forward. And I saw a few, and I remember him from the NHL games that I used to play as a kid. So I'm, I saw a few of his highlights, saw a few of that. Anyway, turn the computer off, kids to bed, back on the computer after kids are in bed. Wrote a piece about Colorado and their defence. And if you know that Colorado's got a defenceman called Ryan Graves, you probably know where I'm going here. Mm -hmm. And through the piece and on the various Twitter hashtags and everything, Adam Graves, Adam Graves, Adam Graves. Oh, uh, I know. Pour that in it. It's so easily done. But do you know what? I I mean, when we first started doing this podcast, what was it, two, three years ago? I used to really beat myself up about that stuff. Like I would, I would just, oh, I'd spend hours and hours and hours like preparing for the podcast. And am I saying this right? I need to know everything about everyone before I talk about it. I, I'm so afraid of looking stupid. But then you just think it's a sport. It's not serious. It's not life or death. Just have a laugh. It don't matter, does it? Yeah, just yeah, say that yeah, it's, it's, it's an identical twin. 
Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, if you can't remember Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes backup goaltender Claire, you should not be on here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so far, no one has, has complained about us that much. But hey, no. you know, whatever. You put yourself above the parapet by daring to go on a microphone and press record. So um, retro, re- reverse retro jerseys. Like, what, what do you guys think of these? I mean, I, I put there on the, the, the twit, the twit, the tweet earlier um on at nhl fans from afar you know uh there's the whales there which look beautiful i never heard of the jersey by the buffalo sabers called the turd burgers had you heard this no no nope. see good okay there we go i don't feel so stupid but genuinely uh, i mean i've tweeted this link out because it talks about Adidas had teamed up with the, the um, teams, that's terrible grammar, um, this season to do like a whole series. And then throughout the year, the teams will be wearing their reverse retro jerseys several occasions, right? And um, and so it, it kind of put how beautiful are those Sabre jerseys? Amazing how you can go from the turd burgers to those in the span of a few years. And there's a link to turd burgers. And you know when you like, should I click on this no. link or is this no. dangerous? So I did it when I was like in the office earlier, but like hunched over my uh, computer. I mean, it doesn't look that bad. I don't think it's just a yellow jersey. Some a- some of these oh, retro reverse jerseys are really cool. Like I really like the Vegas one that they had. Now bear in mind, I mean, they haven't exactly got much history. They feel like they're a team that have been around a long time, but trying to find history of a team that's been around, what, three years is challenging, to say the least. But I do quite like the the Vegas ones. The Arizona Coyotes ones, oh, yeah. they are really good. James had tweeted us that one. They, yeah. they do look quite cool, yeah. They um, are really cool. The little details, I think, that only you know about your team. So, like... Adam, who I think was on your podcast a couple of weeks ago, Craig, actually. Yeah, he's yeah. a Red Wings fan. And he put the only positive about the Wings one is it reflects the power play unit. Uninspiring, boring to look at, lacking <laughs> any kind of imagination and grossly overpriced. I mean, well, there's a team going around. for a rebuild, isn't there? <laughs> don't beat around the bush. But uh, you never know. It might buy you some more cap space if people buy a few more jerseys, hey, Adam? Um, I mean like yeah I I don't I have to be honest I don't ever really see the excitement about jerseys and I never have Ah. like I've seen the detail that goes into some people designing jerseys doesn't really excite me I don't think there's a lot of room for individuality in this sport everything's quite uniform whereas like even with footballers they'll wear their own coloured shoes or you know, do the hair a bit different. It's everybody's kind of, yeah. I don't, I don't feel the excitement about jerseys. Is that like absolutely sacrilege? I only have one, no, two Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys. I like the new logo. The old one looked all right too. I, I don't get excited. Look, the about old one looked stuff. awful, Claire. The old one looked awful. You can say that. That's fine. Just but, no, but is this is this completely like sacrilege, Craig? That I'm yeah. actually saying this. Yes. Yeah, I, I love, yes. I love a jersey, and I, I love these throwbacks. I wonder if the NHL could have like prolonged it, maybe, and had a certain amount of teams with these reverse jerseys in this season, and then some more next season. Because where, where do they go after this season? What's, what else can they do after this? Um, but I, I think the Avs ones right up there with, with yeah, the best of them. It's, it's brilliant. It's there's. 
there's three or four that they don't appear to have anywhere near the amount of <laughs> thought put into them as the others. Senators. They're very similar. Yeah. Senators it's, and flyers yeah. for me are basically boring. There's some where rather. they've obviously like it just feels like they were they forgot that they had to do it and then they had to quickly come up with something the night of the deadline and send it off to the NHL and they were like, uh uh yeah, just swap those colours around quick. Yeah, that'll do. And you're like, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um the, the ones that have had big changes and have really gone back to the roots, I think are brilliant. Yeah. Um, like we said, there's a few that that you wouldn't really. If they brought that out as a third jersey, you wouldn't think, oh, that's some. That's not right. It just looks like a third jersey. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's just like uh, the the detail of it though. Like because the the coyotes one. I mean, the little face on it is is kind of cool, but then the bit at the bottom. The way that the model's kind of standard, it looks like a kid's kind of got the felt tip out a bit and, and drawn on, like, the shape of the desert and a little cactus, like... Claire, that's... what is wrong? Like, you don't like jerseys, you don't like the outdoor game. There's Gary Bettman, like, what, what's he done? I've just done <laughs> one. Look, I've got... I, know, I know, I know Calgary beat us last night, and I know it was miserable, and I know Hutch is now our goaltender for the next 20 years. And Boris and bloody Johnson and Nicholas Sturgeon. Boris Johnson, of... Nicholas Sturgeon. Yeah. <laughs> just they've... name all the people. They've had to warm up hands up. All right. In the, well, as soon as that nosedived, let's come back to a more positive um, conversation then. I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about Sidney Crosby. I'm waiting for the character assassination. <laughs> oh, I don't think he's actually that talented. I think he's a bit crap. Have you ever seen him? I did get excited, though. When I, I don't know if I mentioned this the other week where I was watching. There's a series on Prime Video called This Is Us. Um, it's like a kind of sitcom five series and I'm totally addicted to it but a lot of it's set in Pittsburgh and they mention mm. ice hockey quite frequently which um nice. which made me laugh you know it was like yes yes they're not mentioning the boring reference football. yeah yeah now I was watching the US office and um they are exactly the same thing they mentioned that there's an ice hockey episode in there I'm like oh yeah ice hockey <laughs> those hours and hours of watching endless sport in North America finally pay off for cultural references Passing yeah. cultural references in pointless TV sitcoms. Um, so, thousand thousand games, like over a thousand games. How much does it really make a difference? Um, I went and had a look at you know which current players have played over a thousand games who are in the NHL right now. Had a look at who was over the fifteen hundred mark. Had a look at how many of them were in the Hall of Fame. How many weren't? Uh, Really interesting. Like, I mean, they they did a real nice kind of job of celebrating with Sidney Crosby, didn't they? The team yeah. went to town. Um, do you want to recap that, Jolan? Yeah. So they all they basically the whole team came out for their warm up wearing eighty seven Crosby jerseys, which was really cool. So the whole ice was covered in those jerseys. I think it's worth pointing out. I mean, Sidney Crosby is one of those players that. Uh, you know, he, he is you know probably the best player that is currently playing on the ice right now. Whether he's as good as McDavid or not is completely a different argument. But right, you know, looking at his repertoire and his CV, he is the best player to be playing. And uh, I just think you know, within that thousand games, it's one thing playing a thousand games; it's another thing doing this. And this is Sidney Crosby's NHL career achievements right now. He is a three-time Stanley Cup champion. 
He has won two Con Smythe trophies, two Hart trophies, two Rocket Richard trophies, two Art Ross trophies. He's been to the All-Star Game eight times. He's won the Lester B. Pearson Award three times, the Marc Messier Award once. He was in the 2005-6 All-Star Rookie Team. He's played 1,000 games. He scored 468 goals and he's got 810 assists. I mean, that is a CV. I mean, the question above all of that, uh, which was pumped out on social media, is is Sidney Crosby a top five NHL player of all time? I don't see how, with a CV like that, that you are not. But even so, I mean, the guy, while he may not be in his prime right now, he is just a... He's the elite of the elite. And what he has done with that that franchise in Pittsburgh, and it kind of links to what you were saying, Claire, funnily enough, watching a sitcom based in Pittsburgh, they mention the Penguins. And one they mention Crosby. They, exactly. And one of the reasons why they mention the Penguins is because the Penguins are a big sports franchise in a big sports market, Pittsburgh as well. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a huge NFL franchise, but the Pittsburgh Penguins are up there with them. And so much of that is because of Sidney Crosby and the career that he has had and the success that he has had. And it will be fascinating to see if any player can replicate that kind of, um, not so much that trophy hall and all those different awards, but whether they can find themselves on a team that is that good around them as well. Because obviously he didn't do it alone. He needed those players, even though he dragged them through a lot of stuff. But just the, the variety of those trophies that he has won and the number of goals and assists, that is an incredible career. And so you almost look at that and you go, the, the impressive thing about this is not that he's reached a thousand games, it's that he's done all of that before he got to a thousand games. Like, I mean, this guy, he's still got probably years to go yet. And it, there's just no ceiling for this guy. And it's, it's kind of one of those players you just think you just need to enjoy watching while he's around, because actually in years and years to come, people will look back and say, oh, I wish I'd seen, you know, Sidney Crosby play. And we actually get to. Like, and I think it's just one of those things that when I get to watch a Pittsburgh game and um, this year even better, because they wouldn't be playing the Leafs, you just sit back and watch like that guy play hockey. And he is just, oh, he's a magician. He's a magician. <laughs> Do you agree, Craig? Yeah, so... No, go on, you, take him down. Talk tell, about this. tell me how much you don't like him. Yeah, yeah no, no, Sydney Hill. There's, there's, this, there's this Malkin kid in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I've always, always been a fan of Malkin. <laughs> so so I, I knew you were going to be talking about this. I've looked at this differently. And I'm slightly disappointed that we've not had more Sydney Crosby because 2010-11 misses half a season. 2011-12 plays 20 games. Yeah. 2012-13, 36 games because of the lockout. 2019-20 last year half a season injured yeah those a thousand games would easily if you add on his playoff games and take away his injuries very very close to 1500 already and he's does that not add to it though in a way because the story of his career was he came on with a huge amount of skill and a huge amount of talent but he entered the nhl and he was battered i mean he was targeted he was (laughs) and this was this was years before you know NHL players are as protected as they are now and he came through that and he was probably the last player uh, the last player of his skill and his elite 
to have to get through that and to almost repair his body and regain to be able to survive in the league. Doesn't that add to it as opposed to, I can see your point, taking away games is not a good thing, but doesn't that add to his career? Yes. So so the way that I see him is the top, top players before his era all had their own mind as such to look after them. And the ones who have come since don't need one. Because look, I mean, Conor McDavid, prime example, is a very, very good player, but he gets nowhere near the hacking and whacking and no. slashes on the back of the legs. As you, you watch any Crosby game from from probably ten years ago, say, and and he took a beating every night, pretty much, which yeah. is why he, he missed all these games. And he landed in the middle where the NHL tough guys were on the way out, so he he he's never really had anyone to protect him. I, I don't think, off the top of my head, no. But he was no. still playing in an era where those tough guys were about and they were getting him. Whereas the, the players who are coming to the league now, they, they've not got none of that to face with. Um, Conor McDavid will probably play multiple 82-game seasons because he's not getting targeted. Yeah. Sidney Crosby's played one. He's been in the NHL this long. He's played one 82-game season. Wow. That's incredible. And when you think of the achievements that he's got, and it almost, again, makes those awards even more special because he's winning those awards on half or three quarters of a season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I do, you know, we, we talked about this with, uh, when we were talking about Brian Burke and, um, and Hextar going to Pittsburgh. I, <laughs> there's not many din- dynasty teams that I, you know, because I've never supported one, but there's not many dynasty teams who I kind of think, do you know what? I would really like to, to see them win one more because I always feel quite jealous and I always think, well, they've had their fun. They're already a dynasty team. They don't need anything else. And whereas with Pittsburgh, I don't know what it is, but if the Leafs aren't going to win a cup one year, I would love to see Crosby win one more. And I would love to see Pittsburgh win one more because they will then absolutely secure themselves as that almost, you know, ultimate dynasty within our lifetime, potentially, because who knows if a team will ever be able to replicate what they did. And, I don't know. I would. The romantic in me would like to see them win another Stanley Cup, even though I think their their window is closing rapidly. But it'd be great to see. But I, th- I think when you look at their dynasty as well, he's he's probably the only figure who's been at the top of his game, had no issues, and stuck with the team throughout. Like Mark Andre Fleury is now not there. The amount of people that jump on Malkin's back year in year out. Yeah. Uh, Chris Letang is under fire for the last couple of years. That you should sort of look at like teams like like Detroit and Colorado back like twenty years ago, their dynasties were built on four, five, six players. Yeah. Although Crosby's had so many good players with him, there's I don't think anyone's been alongside him playing to the best of their ability for the entire time that he's been there. That is so true. And you think the easiest comparison with the with the Pittsburgh dynasty is the kind of um, Chicago uh, team of, you know, uh, Kane, Taves, Key, Crawford, those kind of players. And actually, you're right. There is a core of players in Chicago who kind of have been there all the way through this, whereas Crosby's really had a, a real kind of plethora of wingers around him and other players around him and goaltenders. Actually, I, it... <laughs> It brings you back to thinking of, um, I remember when they when Pittsburgh signed Kapanen and they signed a couple of wingers and it's always billed as this is, this is finally going to be the winger for Crosby. Like this is finally going to be the winger to go play with Crosby. 
And inevitably, most of the time, it doesn't work out. And those players drop down the line and they end up playing with Malkin or they end up playing on other lines. And I can't remember who it was who talked about it at the time, but somebody talked about it, an ex-player. And they said, they described, you have to be a very particular type of player to play with somebody like Crosby because he thinks the game so far ahead of anybody else. And he's at such a different level that to actually play on a line with him you have to just be tireless in your kind of dogged um, energy in just trying to keep up with him. And also, not only that, when you do not do something quite right, you've got to be then prepared after doing all of that energy and putting all of that into a shift, then go to the bench, pick up an iPad and watch Crosby dissect your play and him tell you why exactly that was not what he needed you to do right there because he wanted to do this, this and this. And the, the guy whose name I can't remember, the ex-player was talking about, was saying there are only so many players in the league who can do that because most of them will get tired and will say, I can't do this. I can't play at that level. And that just shows. I mean, the guy, the guy really is a kind of just on a different playing level to a lot of his teammates, even his Stanley Cup winning teammates. Incredible. Do, do you think he stays and retires in Pittsburgh? Yeah, it seems I think Malkin will go, but yeah. yeah, yeah you, if you if you look on like the um, the Wikipedia for players who played a thousand NHL games or more, uh, obviously source check all that. I'm not saying it's the be all and end all. It's Wikipedia after all, but it talks about the players who are in it and actually how many teams they've played, and and quite a lot of them had just played for one or two teams for the whole of their career. Uh, I think there was one, the guy who played for the most number of NHL teams was like 12 teams, but most of them have been solid, like train tracks. I mean, you know, you look who's got 1,500 games or more, um, who's currently playing. You've got Joe Thornton, Zidane Chara, Patrick Marlowe, you know. Um, and actually, I didn't realise that there were, it's not just Sidney Crosby, but there were two other players who get who've got their 1,000th game um, in the last season. Do you know who they are? Travis Zajac on Saturday. Yep. And... I, I don't think the New Jersey Devils did anything quite to the same level as what Pittsburgh did. <laughs> no, and uh, but that's what I mean. And Shea Weber is the other one who was the huh. 2nd of February. So you see what I mean? So like, this is where I was like, does this 1,000 game thing not really matter? Because there's so many people who are over 1,000. But when, when I kind of looked a little bit deeper, I looked at this this list... That is the the guys who played fifteen hundred games or more, you know, past, present, whatever. And so it had a little code that said which of them are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And interesting, out of the twenty one players who were over the fifteen hundred, two of them were not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Which we come back to. I think we've talked about this before. And what qualifies you to get Hockey Hall of Fame? We've talked about people like. Carrie Price, for instance, the guy hasn't got a Stanley Cup. So does that mean you ain't got a cup, you ain't coming in? But a look at these two names. So one is Shane Doan. When you Google, why is Shane Doan not in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Our man James Reeve comes up, who's been on this podcast, friend of the podcast, who writes about the Coyotes. And it has a brilliant article by James where he talks about the fact that Doan scored 402 goals, 570 assists he's got 972 points um he's a big player you know in the franchise history but he's not in the hockey hall of fame and that's a bone of contention matt cullen um 
has never been to an all-star game. Uh, you know, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion with Carolina and Pittsburgh Penguins. He even earned a bronze medal in the world champs in the US team a few years ago. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's got 266 goals, 465 assists, 731 points. Not mega points when we compare that to what Sydney's at. Sydney's kind of double, triple in those figures already. But he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And you can read about that. You just Google. And as as you say, Craig, you fall down a, a very slippery black hole into like articles. Uh, appear that clearly, a day later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I do. I was explaining because um, I've kind of been introducing my partner, Matt, to hockey. Uh, it's I love watching Sunday mornings in bed with hockey. So this had to be something that he like kind of wants to be interested in too because he sleeps in the same bed. Um, so I've been explaining the sport to him and I was saying about the different layers that the sport comes to from like just knowing your team now to knowing who your team was, to knowing the history, to knowing the culture of the team. These little details, I'm like, well, why are they those two players not in Hockey Hall of Fame it's such an interesting debate, I think. And that's where I kind of came back round to. Does the amount of games that you've played matter, really, when it comes to records, things like that? Like, you know, Gordie Howe is top, obviously. Number one, most games in the league history, 17, uh, 1,767 games. But is that the thing that we remember him for? Not really. But it, I guess, I guess, really, it's just one of the many things that are counted. It's it's one of the boxes to tick. Like, and I guess there's there are going to be players in the Hall of Fame who haven't won a Stanley Cup, or there are going to be players in the Hall of Fame who haven't scored that many goals. But their their attributes or, or their particular skills are either going to be things like they played a lot of games in the league and they set up a lot of goals, or Perhaps they were a prolific goal scorer, but maybe they didn't actually play that many games, which again could add to, you know, you could argue whether that's a pro or a con. And also the other thing I always think is worth mentioning, and this would take way too much time to research now, but it's worth adding context to any Hall of Fame players, is so much of it comes down to the, the year that they are going in as well. And some years you've got a so many good choices that genuinely good players who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame miss out and then they seem to be forgotten about and not brought in the year after. I'm not saying that's the case for those two players. It may or may not be and they may come in later on, but um, it is always something worth factoring in. But I think you've got... you've always, It's always difficult in Hall of Fames and it's kind of a weird thing, the Hall of Fame. I think we should also mention that like for UK fans of sports and stuff, the Hall of Fame is something that we just don't do over here and is such a big deal in North American sports. And um, I just I just think you have those players and those people involved in the game who are dead on surefire things. Crosby, for example, Carey Price will be another one. Those kind of players who will automatically go into the Hall of Fame when they're eligible and as quite rightly they should do. And then after that, it, a lot of it just comes down to timing and a lot of it comes down to the the people choosing what they want to highlight. And I think we can, we can lose ourselves in, in kind of, you know, uh, who, who should and shouldn't go into the hall of fame. But if you have played over a thousand games in the NHL, that is incredible achievement. 
we talk about how hard it is a game to play Jake Muzzin with his fractured bone in his face and you know all of this kind of stuff it is a tough game to play the season is grueling 82 games between October and April and then you play the playoffs and to even get to a Stanley Cup final is must just be a kind of a physical feat beyond most people's belief and you know, those players who get into the Hall of Fame are just the, the kind of real creme de la creme of players who get in there. But I think in answer to your question, I think the amount of games played is a factor, like how many goals you've scored, like how many shutouts you've got. It's a factor. It's not, shouldn't be your defining thing, but it, it certainly is a factor just because of the way that the game is played and how hard it is to stay in the league as long as it is. I think I'd say, say if there's there's 10 different boxes to tick, you need to tick six or seven of the boxes. Yeah. And if you've played 900 games, but won three Stanley Cups, you're yeah. ticking one box and you're not ticking the thousand game box, but you're ticking so much else. Carey Price, if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup, he's just not ticking that box, but is the, the quality of, of his play for the past <laughs> decade and, yeah. and how many games he's played and how many shutouts he's got and et cetera, et cetera would give him enough boxes as such to, to throw him in there. Yeah, if the timing's right, that's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Talking about, before we just move on from uh, Crosby and all those, I just had a quick look on Cat Friendly, um, <laughs> Crosby's contract, and he's on like... Crosby's definitely seeing out his days in Pittsburgh because he's got something like five more years on his contract, 8.7 million, which is a steal. But, you know, he, he is getting old. He's 33. And I did not know this, but earns less than Malkin does. I was actually quite surprised at that. Maybe he's, I should know that. He's got the second best contract in the NHL. Second best? Go on, who's the first? Nathan McKinnon, five oh, point yeah, something. <laughs> that is disgusting. Yeah, well, I knew that his contract was good. I did not know it was five something. Yeah, another two years. Oh, another two years. sick. Uh, yeah. Just in time for the cap to probably start going back up again after everybody's oh, recovered from COVID. Shush. Oh, that. Oh. The, the, the way I see Crosby ending, by the way, is he'll get to the end of his contract and then we'll stay in Pittsburgh, sign a league minimum contract, be their third line centre when he's 38, 39, yeah. and sort of hand the reins over to player X who's coming in. Because as Pittsburgh have done for the past couple of times, when they lose a good player, another one just magically appears. Yeah, just yeah. like he did. So I just don't. I, I know. I know. We've. It's hard to say. You can't imagine Crosby in another jersey because we've seen Patrick Marlowe in a Leafs jersey and a Pittsburgh jersey, and we've seen Joe Thornton in a Leafs jersey, and we've seen you know all of these players. Chara, we were about Chara to see Chara. All of these kind of players who you never would imagine. And I wonder whether the pandemic had something to do with that. But uh, can you ever, can you ever imagine Crosby in a... There's always been a lot of talk about him coming to Colorado to play with Nathan McKinnon, best mates. There's there's always been talk of that. It would only happen when Crosby's 37. But why would he do it though? And that's the crazy thing. Like I can understand why Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe would leave San Jose when they're when they're abysmal to try and win a cup because they've never won a cup. And I can understand players like that. I can't understand Crosby unless the team made him feel like he wasn't welcome there, which again, ain't going to happen. No, no. He's, he's worth he's, more in ticket sales. 
<laughs> yeah, he's, he's on course to just play out his career, play for as long as he wants. Yeah. He will choose his retirement date. Yeah. And the day after that retirement date, number 87's on its way up. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And, and that's yeah. it. And so he doesn't strike me as the sort of person who wouldn't want that. And he, no. he does strike me as, I mean, this contract that he's got now, look at the contract designed to help the team a few years ago. I can just envisage him playing a couple of years after this contract, just league minimum, to assist the 19-year-old centre that's going to be their number one and take on from him. Yeah, very true. Well, that is the NHL uh, season 2027, back to 2021. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about that. It's far yeah. I mean, we've, we could probably round up there. We've talked for far too long because there's always so much to talk about. But what are we what are we thinking uh, about the, the week ahead? I actually am so far behind that I haven't even looked at what games the Leafs have. But I'm sure it's basically... We're at that point now where it's starting to get a bit boring, if I'm honest. Oh, look, it's whoa, the Sens again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, no, we don't play the we don't play them for a while now. So we've got Calgary again. Hey, that'd be fun. Um, and then we've got Edmonton at the weekend. Who, how about you, Craig? Who have you got? Well, the Avs have got a back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday. So at some point, the Avs are playing their fourth netminder, um, which, 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 which will be fun to watch. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm 99% sure. Uh, in fact, no, I'm 100% sure that they play Arizona on the second of those games. So that will be where you see Colorado Ooh. in the fourth. Go on. Oh, sorry, on that note, just a quick note um, to say on Arizona. If you are a subscriber to The Athletic, um, which is a um, <laughs> uh, an app and a website that we, we mention a lot here just because of the incredible amount of content that is on there, um, and you're interested in the runnings of a hockey team, then I urge you to search for the article titled Dysfunction in the Desert. And it is an incredible article that was written by a journalist called Emily Kaplan. It was Emily Kaplan? Oh, no, no, I'm going to get it. Hang on, I need to get this right. Because uh, I think it was Emily Kaplan. Or am I getting her mixed up? It really does else? show the, the, the true scenes of uh, complicated layers. And it is a business, isn't it? And ultimately, it's about bums on seats. And that's something that Coyotes have never done very well. Their, their stadium pre-COVID. Katie Strang. Katie Strang. I was reading an Emily Kaplan article before I came on the podcast. That's why. Sorry. Katie Strang. Yeah, exactly, Claire. This, uh, this article on the Coyotes... And we've often talked about the Coyotes as being a team in a bit of a mess and how they're a bit of a laughing stock of the NHL. And, and I remember talking to James, a uh, friend of the show, quite in depth about some of the stuff that goes on about the Coyotes. This, even if you do not give our monkeys about the Coyotes, just read this article and it is, I mean, it is an incredible read into a, a franchise that is an absolute mess behind the scenes. If you think they're bad on the ice behind the scenes my god it is shocking it's a long article there is loads of stuff in there uh, she was saying she worked on this for months and months and months and months and uh, I cannot recommend it enough as an article to go and read because it's fascinating go and find it she's brilliant she's uh, I really rate her as a a writer I mean I, I think I'm also at the point in the season where there's a small part of me that'd be like I wonder what it would be like to play Tampa Bay Lightning or Boston Bruins no, right now. Just enjoy it, Claire. Just enjoy it. I know. I know. One year. That's like all that. we've got. That's all we've got before the Boston Tampa nightmare comes no, back to us. I know. I just. I just feel it's like a little bit like 
Uh, is this is this it? But anyway, I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna basically t- this time next week when you hear the podcast again, I'll be yeah. in a better mood. Get um, out the other side of the bed, Claire, and we'll have beaten Calgary, we'll have beaten Edmonton, and we'll have made McDavid look silly, and it'll be everything will be great again. Freddie will be back. I think your mood is basically linked to the fact that Freddie's out because not only is he one of your favourite Leafs, he's also in your fantasy team, and that's yeah. now shattered you for the week. So, yes, yes, it absolutely is. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Craig, it's been really great. Yeah, um, cheers, Craig. To have, thank and you. also, we've been wanting to talk about the West for ages, but really oh, couldn't yeah. do it justice. So, thank you. Um, and just to remind people so, your podcast, um, what's it about? What's it called? Where do they find it? Um, so we're on Twitter at covering puck pod. Uh, it would be covering the puck pod, but Twitter limits your characters, and I think our one-off. So, what what do you do? Um, so, basically, it's split into uh, this fascinating idea to split into three periods. Love I, it. I, I, I know. Where you got that idea? F- first period looks back at what's happened. I just usually write down four or five major things and talk about them for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, middle period, I have a guest on. I'm trying to get through as many UK fans because. I'm trying to make the podcast for UK fans and offer our perspective. Um, Although I'm interested in what a a Florida Panthers writer wants to say in America, I'm more interested in why on earth someone in the UK would support the Florida Panthers Hmm. and and how they got to support in Florida. So so I I always try and get a UK guest as opposed to an American guest. Uh, And then the third period, I just talk about what I'm going to watch over the... I I, I watch far too much hockey. Um, Far, far too much. I, I work from home and I can pretty much work around what I want to do, which is the sounds the best thing in the world, nice. but it's actually the worst thing in the world. So if I want to get up in the morning, it helps me watching the morning rather than staying up. If I want to wake up in the morning at eight o'clock and, and watch two games back to back and start work at 12 o'clock, one o'clock, then so be it. Uh, yes, which please. I do far too often. <laughs> so, so I, I like to sort of highlight what I'm watching any good games. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an Avs fan, but I'm a, a general hockey fan. I, I'm, I'm probably at a guess watch nine, ten games a week. And obviously the Avs might only play three times a week. So so that's seven games that, that they're not involved in. Um, and I, I like to just just assist those who, who maybe haven't quite got the time as what I've got to sit down and take everything in. If this year in particular it's so tough to keep up to date with everything going on if if you watch the day after but you work then you're watching it at tea time and if your team's playing a back-to-back then two or three hours down the line they're playing again before you've even finished watching the game that you've just watched recorded yeah Yeah. so I suppose the aim of it is to is to try and keep people up to date really um there's there's a, a lot of fans over here a lot of casual fans over here and if they get a little bit more knowledge from from things that you're doing from things that i'm doing whatever just to get them a bit more interested then that that's job done as far as i'm concerned yeah exactly and actually the fact that there aren't that many of us about like we've all got to be mates and know each other and support each other yeah i mean we should give a shout out to another great uh podcast which occasionally covers nhl but more ahl and british hockey um people to watch uh, it's Hockey Across the Pond by Mark and Caitlin, too, who also do a great job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great that there's more of us out there and that there's more resources because, I mean, I remember when I started an ice hockey podcast seven years ago, 
there really wasn't a lot happening or very much talks about the NHL in the UK, a lot about UK ice hockey, but not really about the NHL. And when we started our one, what, two, three years ago, it was like, hey, you're an NHL fan too. Hey, I am. Should we start a podcast? And then we did. <laughs> and and then you never really know where it gets you. But it's crazy because in a weird way, we've become friends with so many people across the world who will probably never meet but we share yeah. something crazy in common with each other that we're both probably up watching hockey far too late at night, far too early in the morning, uh, you know, and that's how we are. It's not that yeah. bad, is it, really? There's worse sports to support and worse teams Absolutely. to support. So, Craig, just to finish, I want to ask you in 30 seconds, because I can't believe I've had an Avs fan on this long and not asked this question. In 30 seconds, how's Naz? Uh, not at his best so far this year. Ah, um, as you well know, the bigger the game, the better he plays. Yeah. And he was exceptional in the playoffs last year. And the hope is that he eventually sort of works his way up towards that. Um, he, he's all right. Um, I, I don't. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. No, 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 no. That's okay. I'll there's, take. There's all probably right. there's a, a few Avs players, maybe three or four forwards, slightly disappointing, and I would say he's he's one of them. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Tyson Barry was crap for us. So anyway, right. Yeah, so moving yeah. on. <laughs> wow. I thought I was the one in the bad mood. Then Sherlock <laughs> came in with that. Well, as you can tell on this podcast... I try and make you look good, Claire. I try and... <laughs> we have no idea how these the podcasts tables. start. We have no idea how they're going to end. That's how we roll on this. Come follow us at NHL Fans From Afar and share your views. If you've been kind of nodding or like shouting out loud as you've listened and you're driving your car at home, then send us a message. What did we get wrong? What do we need to know? What do we need to know about your team, more importantly, to help us spread the word and learn more about this crazy sport that we all support? Have a great week, whatever you're up to. Enjoy your games. <laughs>